Uh, if you would turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 1. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And I'll mention at this point that there is a study sheet in your bulletin. And uh, if you want to take this out, we'll be using part of it in our uh, consideration this morning. We have a kind of a different topic that we want to do together. Um, we want to talk about what do you say to an atheist? And uh, you may say, well, why would you have that as a morning worship uh, message? Because... Um, from time to time, somebody will say to me, Oh, I have this friend, I have this person that I know at work, and he or she claims to be an atheist. And I don't know really what to say to them or what to communicate. And at the very end of the message, out of all the things that we cover, I'm going to say, here's, I think, the thing that you could use and keep in mind on a spur of the moment uh, communication with someone who steps up to you and says, I'm an atheist. I've had it happen at the Texas State Fair uh, several times. And uh, the, the Spirit of the Lord is amazing how he gives you wisdom. If you're with people and they have some needs, it's, it, it is amazing. When we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit will work in our thoughts and give, her, give us things, sometimes even a verse of Scripture to communicate to someone who is asking of us why we believe what we believe. So um, we will be doing that in a few minutes, our topic, what do you say to an atheist? A number of years ago, you recall that an atheist uh, Russian cosmonaut uh, went uh, circle, circling around in space. And uh, when he got back to Earth, he said, well, he said, uh, I didn't see God when I was up there. And that very week, Dr. Criswell from First Baptist in Dallas, Dr. Criswell said that Sunday morning, he said, well, I'll tell you what, if that astronaut had stepped out of that space capsule, he would have seen God. <laughs> that is true, yes. We uh, probably all of us understand what uh, an atheist uh, believes or claims uh, keep in mind that uh, they claim that there is no God. It's not that we think there is. Uh, they, they claim there is no God. And uh, I'm going to say right at this point, it's very difficult for us to relate to somebody who has that type of thinking, that uh, thinks that the God who created our universe, the God whom we love and worship, uh, does not exist. Um, I, I have never had that thinking whatsoever. Um, and I realize some people through the years have their doubts about the uh, existence of God. Uh, but it is amazing how if we seek him, uh, the Lord says, if you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart in the book of Jeremiah. If you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. Uh, we used that verse with a young man in New Jersey a number of years ago who, who struggled with, you know, I, 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 he worked at a place where most of us were believers. And he said, I, I know what you, you say. I, I know you pray and you talk to the Lord and you worship God. I can't get there. And uh, so the pastor of my home church, he said, look, why don't you do this? 
why don't you, uh, and he didn't expect that it would happen the day he mentioned this, why don't you uh, get on your knees and say, Lord, uh, I, I've been told that you're there. Reveal yourself to me. I, I need to uh, know you like these people do. And uh, he did it right on the spot. And uh, it's amazing uh, that he prayed and he said, well, they've told me I need Jesus as my Savior. And he prayed that and, and he was saved that day. So again, it's, it's amazing what the Lord will do when we pray and ask for wisdom to communicate spiritual truth to believers. Uh, I mean, not, not unbelievers as well as believers. Okay, Revelation 1.19, we're going to look at this verse right at this point. And by the way, on the top of your study sheet, it says 1.18 NLT, New Living Translation. Uh, Correct that to 1.19. I'd like to look at that verse with you. In the New King James, it reads this way. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. That's Romans 1, 19. On your study sheet, it says 118. And it has the translation from the New Living Translation. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. For it is manifest in them. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. It's a beautiful verse. It's reminding us that God has placed in the hearts of men and women down through the years is what Paul's arguing here in this Romans 1 passage. He has put a knowledge of himself into the hearts of human beings. He has. All over the world, there is what we call an inner sense that God exists. Now, if that is true, and it is, then there must be some type of resistance to the fact that God is there. And I'm going to talk about that in just a couple minutes. Why do people, um, well, let's ask the question. Uh, Why do many people not believe uh, if there's good evidence that God exists? Why do people not believe? And this line of reasoning uh, I took out of the... uh, Student Apologetic Bible, which I feel is very uh, excellent. And uh, this discussion was in there, and I'm just going to kind of go over it a little bit with you. Why is it that more people do not believe? Why is it that people uh, do not believe in the existence of God? Okay, we're going to handle it this way. A number of years ago, the Surgeon General of the United States gave a clear warning Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and many, uh, com- and may even complicate a pregnancy. Now that's tough words. I'm going to read it again. Smoking causes lung cancer, heart disease, emphysema, and may even complicate a pregnancy. Now these words are. Um, quite alarming when you stop to think about it and uh, those who understand health issues realize these truths i've talked to people through the years who said you know my doctor said i had someone say this tell me in new york my doctor said if you don't quit smoking you will not see your daughter graduate from high school and he quit he did 
that warning really touched him deeply. The evidence overwhelmingly proves that smoking does lead to various kinds of illnesses. In fact, even cigarette makers had to acknowledge this. They had to put certain things on the the packs. Still, people choose to smoke. They treat these warnings like they're a hoax. Or they're blinded to the fact that these things are true. And the reason? Because of an addiction. An addiction to nicotine. Now, the evidence for God's existence is strong. I'm going to mention a couple. We'll go over some of them a little bit later. The cosmological argument, the first cause argument is this. Something cannot come from nothing. Uh, naturalists say that our world came out of nothing. There was a, just a, a big bang and then here it is with all its complexity. Our world has to have been created and therefore a creator must have originally caused its creation. There's the moral argument, the sense of right and wrong. Because human beings are mentally and morally unique in contrast to all other forms of life, there must be a moral lawgiver. God must have placed within man our ability, our our mental and moral capacities. The uniqueness of man is a strong evidence for the fact that God exists. But why don't people believe? Why don't they believe? I think uh, the thing that primarily comes to your mind in thinking would be the fact that uh, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. In other words, when we hear about who Jesus Christ is and the fact that he forgives of sin and gives us righteousness, that's a matter of the heart, and that's great. When you responded to the Lord... God worked in your heart. So then we would say that um, the basic cause of all unbelief is a problem of the heart. And Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. Wow. It says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I'll never forget in New York. I read that verse one Sunday morning. We talked about it. We were actually talking about what's necessary to come to Christ, how a person needs to see that they're lost and needs to see that Jesus Christ will save and will forgive all kinds of sin. Well, I read that verse, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So we were talking about why people um, lean towards atheism, and it is a problem of the heart. Uh, The heart... Uh, when we're born, we're born with a heart uh, that has the capacity to sin. In fact, our hearts are inclined towards sin unless God starts doing a work in our hearts. In fact, before coming to Christ, the Bible says we're dead in trespasses and sins. So this means that um, unbelief is our natural condition before we come to Christ. And belief in God, belief in God himself, you see, goes against the human heart and happens only when God makes us alive in Christ. So um, many people, again, um, struggle with their understanding of God. 
And some people really deny the existence of God. Why is this when there's quite a bit of evidence, as we'll see in just a moment before we come to the Lord's table? First of all, there's the ignorance of the evidence for God. Those four things that are on your study sheet this morning, a lot of people have never heard of them. They've never reasoned through the fact that, yes, God can exist, and here's why God can exist. They've never seen these four things. There's an ignorance of the evidence that God exists. And um, 1 Peter 3.15 says, We as believers ought to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks us the reason of the hope that's in us. We have some real answers for spiritual things. We have some real answers with regards to eternal life. And so we pray uh, that God will use us to help others who may not know Christ as Savior. Secondly, what about those who have heard of the evidence but still do not believe? Why would that be true? Somebody hears of the evidence of Christ but they still don't believe. Why would that be true? Well, sometimes because they think, well, what's God going to expect of me? He may expect a change in my life. And so they may resist a knowledge of the Lord. Uh, There are others who um, reject the Lord because, well, they see what other Christians have done in their lives. And they say, well, if that's a Christian, maybe I don't want to be a Christian. And we all understand we've got to be careful in our walk before the Lord because God uh, uses our lives as a testimony. Uh, people may reject God because, well, they have a, they've seen people who claim to know God but maybe didn't live in the light of the fact uh, that um, they have a relationship with God. Okay? Romans 1.19 says this, For the truth about God is known to them ex- instinctively. It's shown to them. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. Important. There's an inner awareness of God that has been put in the hearts of people. Now that doesn't mean that all people respond to this. Doesn't mean that all people want salvation in Jesus Christ. But it does mean the fact that a consciousness that there is God has been put in the hearts. An inner sense that God exists. Also, The evidence for God's existence is found both in Scripture and in nature. Genesis 1.1, and we love to, if if you ever um, teach children and youth, you you always want to use verses that remind them about the awesomeness of their God. Okay, And we often, teaching children and youth, say, uh, now do you remember what Genesis 1.1 is? In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And we want them to know that. We want them to know that verse so they, in their sleep, <laughs> in their sleep, they may be saying Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 assumes the existence of God and it tells us what he has done. There are proofs that have been given for the existence of God and... Um, They are listed on your study sheet there. And uh, we're going to just glance at them. 
So these uh, arguments for the existence of God, they're called uh, proofs or traditional proofs. I just want to look through them because we've got to get back to Scripture and get to the Lord's table together. Uh, the cosmological argument considers the fact that every known thing in the universe has a cause. That's true. Every known thing in the universe has a cause, right? Good point. All right. Therefore, it reasons that the universe itself also must have a cause. And the cause for such a great universe, with all its complexity, can only be God. That's called the cosmological argument. The second one's called the teleological argument. And it's a subcategory of the cosmological argument. It focuses on the order and the design in the universe. The design and order in the universe gives evidence of an intelligent purpose. Teleo, from the teleological, means purpose. Since the universe appears to be designed with a purpose, there must be an intelligent and purposeful God who created it. If you have a wristwatch, a lot of people aren't wearing wristwatches now because they have these things. I can't get mine out. <laughs> they don't wear wristwatches because they have these things. Okay? Well, even this thing didn't just come together, did it? Somebody designed hardly. Somebody designed it. Um, and that's true. Well, our awesome universe, with all its complexities and its beauties, was created by God. And that's the argument in that theological, uh, teleological argument. Okay? And number three, just quickly, the moral argument deals with the man's sense of right and wrong and the need for justice. There must be a God who is the source of right and wrong who will one day mete out justice to all people. Very true. I'm not going to do a reading on that. I had a reading for that. The, the fourth one is called the ontological argument. All cultures, primitive or advanced, have an awareness of God that even includes a system of worship. Many places where people don't know the true and living God have a sense that there's a creator. And they worship him and they have a sense of dealing with their sins. And of course the fact that every person has thought about a supreme being in some way or another presupposes this being exists. And the point of these is simply to reason through the fact that there are reasonable truths that tell us there is a God. Okay? Now, uh, Romans 1 deals with the fact that uh, God does exist. And uh, I, I have these um, statements that are uh, given by the Apostle Paul. Uh, 120 if you want to look at the Bible for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and some most translations say divine nature so that they are without excuse now here's the point can somebody ever go into the presence of God and say God I, I there was nothing that I, helped me to realize that you are there could someone ever say that to God no, there's no excuse. Now, we're not talking about saving faith, but we're talking about knowing that God exists. There's no excuse, you see. Uh, the uh, unthankfulness in 121, but although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. 
they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know, here's, a, here's an interesting truth. Very interesting. The point is this. That if a person has some kind of understanding of God and doesn't choose to be thankful to him, in fact, backs away from him, some things, there are consequences of backing away from God. And uh, the scripture is very clear on that. In fact, there's uh, the warning by the Apostle Paul with regards to idolatry. Instead of worshiping the true and living God, they worshiped. Well, look at 23 with me. Who changed the glory of God, incorruptible God, an image made of uh, man and bir- birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So what do we say to an atheist? What would you say to an atheist on the spare of the moment? I'll tell you what I've done. I've taken my wrist, wrist watch off. I've held up the watch. And I've said... Just as an intricate, workable watch is made by a watchmaker, so the design of our world, which is intricate and workable, has an intelligent designer. And I believe that's a reasonable way to talk. Now, obviously, we want to use biblical truth if we see there's a need for Jesus Christ as Savior. And uh, this brings us all the way down to the subject of how does a person get to know God? Through faith, through trust in what has been revealed about him, specifically in his word. We have to respond to him. Saving faith is faith in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So if we want someone to be saved and go to heaven, they have to understand we're coming to the table in just a couple minutes. That Jesus Christ left the glories of heaven, came down here, died on the cross, and paid for our sins on the cross. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 gives the gospel. It says, Christ died for our sins according to Scripture and was buried and he rose again the third day. Now, please don't miss this. Really important. A person is not saved just because they say, well, I understand what you're saying about the gospel. Christ died, he was buried, and rose again. That in itself won't take a person to heaven. Please don't miss this. What takes a person to heaven? They have to receive and put their trust in Jesus Christ. They have to believe in him, that he died for them. Is that making sense? We don't just believe the facts. We have to believe in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know the verse, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be... Right. Saving faith. The Lord wants us not only to know our God and our Savior and not only believe about Him and in Him, but He wants us to live in a way that others can see that we belong to Him. There's a book, and I'll just mention this and we'll uh, prepare for the table. There's a book entitled A Christian Atheist. If you're interested in really saying, where am I with God? That's one of these kind of books. A Christian atheist. When you believe in God but don't really know him, God wants us to get to know him. When you believe in God but you don't believe in prayer, that's a Christian atheist. We don't want to be Christian atheists. Um, It's amazing. God encourages us to walk by faith, to trust him, 
to, to understand that He's there for us and that we can know Him and grow in our relationship with Him, grow in our knowledge of Him, and that's what we want to do. Of course, we don't come to the Lord, we don't come to God apart from Jesus Christ. Remember I mentioned, what is saving faith? Where you encourage someone not only to believe Christ died for your sins and was buried and rose again, but you encourage someone who may be an atheist and say, you know what we really need to do to understand God and have a relationship with God, you have to reach out and believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross for you personally. And you who know Christ as your Savior this morning, that's what you've done. And that's what we do when we come to the Lord's table. We thank God for the death of His Son for our sins. He gave His life for us. When we eat the bread, it reminds us He laid down His life for us. When we drink the fruit of the vine, we have that understanding that He died in a particular way and He shed His blood. His life was taken from Him in order to pay the price for our sins, for which we're so thankful. Let's bow in prayer together.